Hello, everybody. Welcome on the Lights On Data Show. And today we have Harpreet joining us, and we're going to find out more about the artist behind the artist of data science. <laughs> and I will introduce our amazing guest. He's a data scientist, a statistician, a podcaster, and as George said, an, a true artist of data science. What I find amazing about Harpreet is that he is the mentor of over 2,500 up and coming data scientists. That's amazing. So to go more into detail, he's a data scientist unicorn <laughs> with strong business acumen, statistical background, modeling capabilities, data engineering, machine learning, engineering know-hows. He hosts the Artist of Data Science podcast, where he's putting the most interesting topic it's into focus and continuously gives us uh, gives back to the data community. Please welcome Harpreet, who is a thought leader in the data science space. Hello. Hey, whoa, thank you so much for that wonderful, <laughs> wonderful introduction. I appreciate That's that. That's all you. <laughs> Man, now I got to live up to that unicorn title. I got I to live up to that. Yeah. yeah. I, um, before we go into the um, deep data stuff, I wanted to ask a little bit more about you. What are, tell us a little bit about your family, pets, hobbies. We just talked about beer. Tell us a little bit about yourself, personal yeah. stuff. Yeah, so uh, family, I got, you know, but just had a baby about a year ago. His name is Jagad. Uh, he's just over 13 months, 13 months old. He kept me up all night last night. He woke up at 3 a.m. I was just wah, 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 all night. Uh, but yeah, he's, <laughs> he's super, super cute. And then, uh, yeah, it's just me, him, and my wife, Romy. And yeah, based out of here in, in Winnipeg, Manitoba. But originally, I'm from California, Sacramento, California, born and raised. I stayed there until I was. Man, I think I left California. I was probably 28, 27, 28. It's been mm. well, that's been 10 years since I left California. Yeah. So it's been wow. a long time. Yeah. Wow. And you like beer very much. I do. I, I love, I love beer. I love good craft beer. Um, I just love the creativity and artistry that goes into beer. Oh, right? wow. <laughs> right. Like a standard, like making a good lager or a good pilsner, like it's just a standard beer, but getting it right. There's so much that goes into it. And I was actually part of a, a beer brewing, home brewing club here in Winnipeg called the Winnipeg Brew Bombers. Mm -hmm. um, I, I didn't contribute <laughs> much. I just show up to the meetings and like bring snacks and bottle and beer taste. and drink everybody else's beer. And be like, <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't make this beer, but I bought it. Um, but that was, it was fun. It was just a chance to just see how these guys put in so much science into brewing beer. Yeah, um, It's really, really an art form. And I mean, science as well, for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, they are starting to offer in university uh, beer making courses and wine making courses. And I thought, okay, well, I graduated way too early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That and would have been an elective for me. And can you share again the quote about uh, beer? Uh, yeah, uh, I forgot who it was. It might have been Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, one of those old guys. And he said, beer is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy. But I mean, this is this is coffee this morning. This, you can you can verify that. This is actually just, just coffee. <laughs> Wonderful. And here I've actually switched to matcha. Um, Which tastes like fish, in my opinion. I like it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Interesting. Anyways, maybe it's an acquired taste. <laughs> yeah. Well, so... Um, you know, we do want to find out a little bit more about you. We'd like to find out more about your journey into data science and where you are right now. So can you start from, you know, the present? What, what do you do right now? And then we'll see how do you, what's the path that you took? 
Yeah, so right now I'm lead data scientist at Price Industries. So I was the first data scientist that they hired and still like the only data scientist in the company. Wow. And I've been at Price for about two years. And I started off working on, um, they they had me work on one specific project and I was able to deliver some good value for that project. And now they're like, oh, well, let's have you do other things. But as it turns out, um, in order for me to do other things, we need good data in, you know, in full effect. So now they've got me in charge of doing like data management, data governance and stuff like that. So I've been really uh, leaning on George for for some good insight and information for that. Um, I, I yeah. promise I'll have a, a, a new course coming out that I think will really help you out. It's it's on really practical data governance implementation. So it oh. walks you through all the steps and has templates and everything. So I'll, I'll yeah. uh, And our house I'll share is a recording studio yeah, yeah Tina yes. isn't very happy <laughs> no i am i am very happy and proud it's just that I, there's one room in the house that i can't use and yeah. that's the living room thank you very much <laughs> oh that's the main room oh man but yeah i mean sign me up for that course because that's super important i think that's something like most data scientists don't get really exposed to especially early on in their career we'll go into maybe a boot camp or even just a university program and all we're taught are just the technical aspects of how to tune an algorithm how to fit an algorithm how to do various statistical techniques but very i mean does it i don't know if it dawns on us that actually we're just end consumers of data at the end of the day right mm -hmm. there's an entire life cycle entire process of data that that happens before it gets to you um, and i'm starting to realize that as i'm working through this process at work um, that you know th there's so much i don't know about the data ecosystem. And it's been a tremendous learning experience. And people like you, Scott Taylor, have been very helpful and instrumental in, in my understanding of data management, data governance, because these were foreign terms to me before, man. I didn't understand what any of this stuff was or the importance of it or, you know, what have you until I had to like start doing it myself. Well, you know what? It goes the other way around as well. People in data management, data governance don't always know all the uses of data. And all the different uh, you know hats that people wear like within data science and how they they need to make best use of it just so then they would know how to manage it better um you know through throughout that ecosystem yeah. so it However, definitely goes you both should be happy that this is exactly the gap that you two are filling right yeah and yeah apparently there is a high demand for it because you guys have following and people people need this type of content yeah i mean you have to have that high level perspective as well as that low down kind of perspective right and and what i mean by that is you know as a data scientist of course understand the technicalities of the various machine learning algorithms and how to code and do all that stuff but at the end of the day just kind of have like that bird's eye view of the entire data generating process right there's the real world there's your model in between is the data but then how does that data from the real world get captured right how do we make sure that it's consistent it's well governed that it's of good quality and, and things like that. Um, yeah, there's there's so much to to learn and know about data. Um, there's a place for everyone, I think, in the, in the field, no matter what your your interests are. Yeah, you know, I, f I feel in a way you're you're lucky though. Some at times you might be feeling frustrated in your job because you have to do all these different things. But again, the pros and the cons. You get to do all these different things. You get to wear all these different hats, and. Uh, which can be frustrating, especially if you get to do some of the things that you don't like doing. Yeah. But uh, you're learning quite a bit as well. And I think yeah. you, you will definitely have a, a new perspective that a bunch of us don't because of that.
Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. It's been a tremendous learning experience. And it I mean, the frustrating part is, you know, because I have to learn so much, I feel dumb. I feel stupid. I feel like, oh man, I should know how to do this. I should have some answers, but I don't. I don't know what to do next. Like I have to take it one step at a time. And I think that's the frustrating, frustrating part. You just have to overcome that and start doing stuff. You know, that feeling, I think it's it's something that a bunch of us are battling with at times whenever we don't know something and uh, we, we don't feel adequate for the role because of that. But maybe we need to flip that around and we need to flip that mentality and just feel, you know, happy that we get the opportunity to get paid to learn, basically. Yep. yep. And uh, it, it's not a bad situation to be in. Yeah, absolutely, man. Agreed. So, so Harpreet, uh, as the lead data science uh, scientist, lead data scientist, sorry. Uh, how did you get into this role? Was it right after graduation that you ju just jumped into data science or was it a different, you know, track that you had to take? Yeah. So I started grad school in, I think it was 2010, 2011, something like that. And at that time, like the sexiest job or the hottest job was being actuary. Right. So I went to grad school and I was like, I'm going to be an actuary. That's what I'm going to do. So I went to grad school, studied math and statistics, took a bunch of actuarial exams. And then right after grad school, like it was tough in grad school. Like I, I was one of those people that I just could not land an internship. I couldn't land interviews. I just couldn't do, couldn't get anything, right? Like it was super frustrating. Uh, and I eventually did end up landing a job as a actuarial analyst, uh, working at a, a warranty pricing company, uh, getting paid far less than what my peers who graduated with me uh, made. Um, but I worked at that job for like a year and a half before I realized that ah, this stuff isn't really for me. Like I'm not really interested in taking exams for the next X number of years. And there are some other things in personal life that that led to me, you know, relocating into Canada. And and at that point, I went into a job as a biostatistician. Um, mm. Because coming from the U.S. to Canada, there's certain jobs that NAFTA allows you know you to easily. Uh, move across the border for and one of them mm -hmm. was as a biostatistician so i worked mm -hmm. at a pharmaceutical company for a few years as a uh, just doing you know designing experiments writing statistical analysis reports doing ad hoc kind of statistics uh, really academic type of statistics that board was boring i did not like that uh but all, all the while right like what i was truly interested in through grad school even as an actuary even in uh, the five years I spent as a biostatistician was you know, predictive analytics, predictive modeling. This is like what I was really, really fascinated by. And, you know, once I had enough of that job as a biostatistician, I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't put myself through this discomfort and agitation that I'm feeling. It's time to make a change. Uh, that's when I started looking at predictive modeling, predictive analytics type of jobs, data mining type of jobs. And then I realized that, oh man, it's been rebranded as data science. I must not have been paying attention. Uh, <laughs> and that's kind of how that fire reignited in me. Uh, and this was around 20, 2017 when I really started to like make that shift and start upskilling and start learning. Um, and it was like a year and a half of just struggle trying to land a job. Okay. Um, but eventually, yeah, eventually in, you know, in 2019, like January 8th, 2019, I had uh, like three offers in front of me, all for data science type of roles and ended up taking, taking one. Um, oh, a lot of that success though, to my, you know, mentor, my good friend, Kyle McHugh and the data science dream job platform that was tremendous and instrumental in my growth and development and really helped me 
fast track because within six months of joining that program, I, I landed a job uh, with multiple offers and just learned so much and became such a better person. But yeah. And is that why you decided to maybe give back and be a mentor yourself? Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to ask. What are the triggers? When did you decide to become an influencer? <laughs> I'm sure that, <laughs> said, that was not the purpose yeah. in the first place. But... It definitely wasn't. It definitely wasn't a decision. So like while I was in Data Science Dream Job as a student, so I bought the program myself. Like at that time, it was $3,000, 3000 US dollars. Which is a like, lot for us too. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit, like that's a lot of money. <laughs> oh, sorry, dude. I, can I uh, and I was like, dude, that's a, that's a lot of money. Um, but I made the investment and went through the program. And I was just really helpful around the community. Um, we have a very active Slack community. Anytime people had questions, I would, I would help them out. Anytime anybody needed a mock interview, I'd help them out. And I guess Kyle had noticed that I was just really helpful and active around the community. And he's like, hey, let's bring you on as, as a mentor. You know, you've been really helpful, instrumental. You've been through the process. Now you can help other people. Uh, and then from there, he, you know, after a few months, he brought me up to head mentor um, and yeah, principal mentor after that. And yeah, just been like for the last, like, two, I think I've been a mentor for like official mentor at data science dream job since February of 2019, uh, which has been crazy. And, you know, during that time, like you guys know that I host these open office hours that I've just recently started doing every Friday, right? I do that Monday through Thursday at Data Science Dream yeah. Job. Like I do that like every day, just private sessions like that with small groups of of people transitioning to data science. Um, That's so nice. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that I ever decided that hey, I am going to be a mentor and I'm going to help people. It just it just happened, man. I think it's just something that is in me to want to give back, to want to contribute. I mean, thinking back at it now, like back back in sixth grade, right? Uh, my my teacher had us do this assignment where we had to create like a a nickname for ourselves but it had to be like uh, the first letter of your name had to describe you as a person so mine was helpful harpreet that's the nickname i gave myself and, yeah and i guess that's just been me since then nice and anna maria always mentioning that uh, you know what an empowering story this proves why you're so passionate about data science and definitely have to agree with that and we have a lot of people here saying that they are excited about statistics as well and uh, who uh, really enjoyed the um, the story as well. And uh, Vaishnava, I felt that heartbeat. And yeah, we all did. Yeah. Yes. Statistics is awesome. I, I love statistics. Uh, but man, probability theory, that's like my, my true love. Like probability is uh, definitely my favorite part of, of all of data science. Doesn't mean that I'm necessarily like a genius at it or good at it, but I absolutely love it. That That is like, my, my true love in data science. And Harpreet, as you're mentoring all these people and as you've mentored, you know, 2,500 people plus so far and, you know, growing exponentially from what I'm seeing, are there any common themes that come out? This is my question. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> you guys finish each other's sentences. Like... <laughs> you guys finish each other's sentences. That's so sweet. Yeah, so the question was, what, what are the maybe the three most uh, popular questions that you receive or the three most popular mm -hmm. challenges that um, young data scientists encounter? Oh, man, that's a good question. Three most. So can I, say, can, I say, can I say myths or like misconceptions that people yeah. have? Yes, How about that? absolutely. How about frame it as that. I say the big misconception that people have is they think that the only thing that matters is the technical skills. Like this is the only thing that it takes. Like 
you must have technical skills else you cannot call yourself a data scientist. Um, I don't necessarily believe that or buy into that. Um, I don't think you need to know everything right now at this moment in order for you to go and start applying for jobs as a data scientist. There is a baseline level of knowledge of skill that you need to have and realize that everybody in your peer group who's gunning for the same jobs as you will have that baseline. So have that baseline. Um, and you know, we can talk about that later if you want um, some of the, the, the key things you need Absolutely. to know. Yeah, we should, um, I think. And then there's the other thing I would say is um, the big misconception is people think that uh, they need to have a ton of actual work experience, right? People see three to five years experience and they translate that in their head like, oh, work experience. Like, like three to five years experience can be three to five years experience doing your own projects or whatever, right? And plus that number is typically inflated to keep people like you who are doubtful from applying so that the person does not have to go through a million different resumes, right? So just ignore that, right? Know that that, that number is kind of inflated. So mm -hmm. you don't need to have three to five years. One to two years is fine. It doesn't even need to be actual work experience at a company. It could be through, you know, self-constructed projects, self-learning projects that are well done, right? You can't just like have a sloppy project up there with just one Jupyter notebook on your GitHub that's like 197 cells long uh, with just the basic stuff, right? You have to make it well-constructed and there has to be a flow to it. There has to be presentation involved, right? Um, so those two, and the third I, I think is people think they, they need to have like a graduate degree to get into data science. I don't think that's necessarily true. Like I'm the unfortunate holder of a master's degree. Um, I don't think I needed that. I've learned far more outside of school than I did in school. Um, if anything, during school, I just proved to myself that I'm stubborn because uh, I won't give up. <laughs> you know, uh, so that's that's probably the the, uh, the those, big thing. Those are great recommendations. Oh, bless you. Thank you. And uh, and Her Herpreet, out of out of these things. You know, do you find um, people are also asking about the the experience in a particular field? So if they want to apply in the pharmaceutical industry, do they feel like they have to have that experience within the field? Yeah, so it definitely a little bit different, right? If you're going to a pharmaceutical company, and you're trying to be a biostatistician, then you're going to need a bit more advanced education um, for sure. Uh, I mean, I'll just leave it at that. Like, if, yeah, if you're going, if you're going into a field or a type of role where people's lives are on the line based on the decision that you make, then it's probably a good point for that company to require you to have some type of advanced degree. And you should expect yourself to have that because you know you, I wouldn't put my lives in the hands of somebody who doesn't have the necessary training to to justify any decision. But for the most part, e-commerce, retail, mm -hmm. manufacturing, right? All these other industries, you don't necessarily need to have graduate studies for that, right? Because nobody's life is really on the line there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I might eat my words later and I might change my opinions later, <laughs> but that's good. I always change my opinions in light of new evidence. So let's we'll leave it at that. Great. Not a problem with that. Yeah. We have a couple of questions here that are coming in. One from Manju, and he's mentioning what is the one advice you got to relate to all things data that really stands out and probably you think it's it works for others as well. The one advice related to all things data, man, 
just come up with a good question, I'd say. Just make sure you're formulating a right question and a strong question and a sound question before you do anything else after that. Because without a question, you have nothing else. So clearly define the question that you want to try to make progress against. Not necessarily solve, because not all questions are solvable, but you can make progress against the question. So clearly define that and make sure you know exactly what it is that you're hoping to get through the process of, of answering that question. That's that's great advice. And you know what? I think this works in other areas as well uh, within data, not just data science. I yeah, think absolutely. Asking the right question, you know how to then formulate the answer and how to get there. So, and Anna Maria here is mentioning, how are you able to differentiate yourself from other candidates? What is your superpower, Harpreet? Uh, so, man, how am I able to differentiate myself from other candidates? I would hope it's, you know, just because I'm super cool. I don't know. Maybe that's the coolness factor. Does that yeah, count? Right. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. But I think maybe my ability to communicate is probably what separates me from other candidates is that I could just clearly communicate and get right to the point, not really beat around the bush, but, you know, uh, just get right to what it is that, that I'm meaning to say. Uh, ability to think clearly and ability to say, I don't know. And, and I've done that several times during interviews. And, mm -hmm. you know, people ask me a question. I'm like, look, I, I don't know the answer to that particular question. But here's another related thing that I know that's kind of tangential to what we're talking about here. And using what I know from there, here's how I would approach this particular problem you're, you're throwing in front of me. Uh, but if you want to know, like, my, my superpower in terms of just, like, actual, like, technical skills and probably statistics because i study that a lot so in that sense for your you know t technical ability is probably statistics even then i'm probably not the greatest statistician out there uh, but mm -hmm. this is my superpower yeah, that and I, learning learning and reading exactly yeah <laughs> that's exactly what i wanted to add so you said the ability to communicate and to relate to people um and then yeah for sure the the willingness to learn and to grow yeah. I'm curious, Harpreet, during the data science interviews, do you, I know the whole interview is really a test about communication as well, but are there specific questions that are trying to address and assess that skill? Are they asking something like, you know, give me an analogy that describes this or explain this to me like I'm five years old and things like that. Are there any types of questions of, of that sort? Yeah, I mean, the most basic one I can think of is, hey, you've got this awesome project on your resume. Ta tell me about that project, right? Why did you pick this project? Why did you pick this problem statement? And walk me through why, how you got from point A, which is the question, how did you find the data, what you transformed the data into, and then so on and so forth until you made a, a decision. Um, so I think that type of question clearly tests your ability to, to communicate while simultaneously testing whether or not you actually did the project. Uh, so mm -hmm. this that, is that, a nice question that yeah. one can really prepare for. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's something exactly. That you can do. Oh. If you're putting anything on your resume, just make sure it's actually true. Make sure you can actually talk about it. If you have something on your resume, like I've interviewed dozens of candidates, right? And I've had people put, you know, they use a support vector machine to do a classification, blah, blah. And, and I'm like, all right, cool. Well, tell me some of the assumptions of support vector machines. So, you know, what does it do? How does this work? What What's the kernel trick? And they're just like, oh, um, uh, and they, they, they pause. They can't answer it. And it's like, okay, well, if you're putting something on your resume, just make sure that you can talk about that thing left, right, mm -hmm. center, upside down from every possible angle. 
um, because you're expected to, right? So your resume is, is everything on that thing you should be able to talk at great length about. Absolutely. I think we've learned that from the movies that the same thing applies in acting as well. Oh, really? Ah. You got to have, you know, your acting resume, like to be truthful to your capabilities and not say that you can do sword fighting if you don't know sword fighting. <laughs> so Ravid is asking if, you know, who, who are the three top data scientists that you, you follow? Uh, man, top three data scientists. Well, Vin Vashista, number one. Uh, hands down, uh, Vin is freaking phenomenal. Daliana, Daliana Liu is amazing as well. I love her content. And uh, number three is Ravit Jain. <laughs> <laughs> nice to see Ravit here. He really likes your uh, shirt. Oh, thank you. I'm glad you enjoy it. Adds to the coolness factor. Yeah. <laughs> and I, 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 I love the comment here, and I, I really agree. Um, oh, sorry. No, this this one. That um, yeah, I agree. <laughs> Your cool is super special. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And as Robert is mentioning, Herpita is a Renaissance man. I see him everywhere, and yeah. you'll see him right after this as well as he uh, goes on another show. That's right. Yeah, I'll be uh, live on the How to Get an Analytics Job podcast immediately after this, so you can catch more of me. There, there you go. The coolness. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it wraps up. <laughs> So back to uh, Manju's question here. Um, how about evaluating the ability to go from intuition to insights in solving problems in the interviews? How to go about evaluating the ability to go from intuition to insights in problem solving? That's an interesting question. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure. Yeah, you yeah, haven't sure. come up uh, on yeah. this in, in interviews, but yeah, I guess yeah. what. You know, in projects, in data science projects, do you start with an intuition thinking that I, I kind of think this is where it's going to go? And then you look into the data to validate that intuition? Yeah. So, I mean, maybe I'm misunderstanding the question here. So let me know if, I, uh, if I'm misunderstanding this here. But the ability to go from intuition to insight. So kind of playing off what George is saying. So the ability to say, okay, well, here's something I think might be going on or here's a problem I think might be solvable here's the question i have now let me go explore that um i think the ability to do that like it, it, hopefully you have an analysis plan clearly stated out that these are the things i'm gonna look at this is what i'm gonna do you're clearly outlining ahead of ahead of time you're calling your shots ahead of time what it is that you plan on doing to make progress uh, against that and i think when it comes to evaluating that in an interview uh i mean yeah, I'm not sure how to answer that, man. Uh, my, my apologies, yeah. Yeah, I think sure I uh, my understanding of Manju's question is, okay, in an interview, how do you, what types of questions do you ask in order to evaluate the the candidate's ability to, you know, move from intuition yeah. to insights? And I think I think you answered that question. Yeah, just tell me how you would tell me, if I if I gave you a, a data set, talk to me about what are the first few things you would look for, right? And I, once you look at those things, how do you use that to inform what decision to make next, right? Mm -hmm. And then from that, walk me through each step of the way. How do you go from data to decisions every step in that process? And if what they are saying kind of vibes with how I would do it or how other data scientists would do it, you know, you know, define the problem, uh, discover 
the discoveries from the data, right? Discovery, EDA, stuff like that. Uh, develop a solution and then, you know, create deployment. How would you deploy it, right? What would that look like once you deploy it in the real world? I guess that would be the steps I would look for is this define, discover, develop, deploy. Beautiful. And maintain afterwards. Most yes, likely. and maintenance. Yeah, absolutely. No, because it doesn't start with a D. <laughs> After, after. We, we gotta think of a synonym for maintenance yes. with a D. Yes, we have D to. D maintenance. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> so, uh, as a follow up, and Maria is wondering how you're dealing with biased data. I mean, that's a very vague question. What do you mean by biased data? Biased in what way? Right. Maria, we're yeah. looking for your follow up here. I yeah. can make some assumptions, but yeah, I'll be biased on that. Yeah. Yeah. Before Maria gets back to us, um, what do you love about mentoring Heartbeat? Uh, just helping people through the process, man. Seeing the growth in people from, you know, most of the people that enter data science dream job, most people trying to break into data science, they, uh, they're overwhelmed, they're confused, they don't know what steps to take, and then just seeing the progression from, okay, here you are, this 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 mentee who just does not know how to, you know pave your own way forward and then just being there helping them pave the pave their own lane and i think that's probably the most most rewarding factor for me is, is helping Can't... watching people pave their own way yeah and knowing that you are at least a, a little part of that as well yeah i mean they do all the work i'm just there as a sounding board and <laughs> and talking but yeah they're ultimately doing all the work themselves mm, can you share uh, a few success stories one or two success stories from your mentees something that comes to mind oh man yeah there's so many so many good ones uh one of my uh my mentees at uh, chavi she's she's awesome i remember her coming she'd moved just straight from from india to to canada well she was in the u.s for a stop and she had like these gaps in her resume and just didn't know how to overcome that hurdle how to frame those gaps um and you know she had such an unsuccessful process in the data science job search for for quite a long time um, and then started working with her and, and getting things you know dialing in her process and just seeing the trajectory she's taken since then so she went from just having zero data science experience fresh out of grad school in, in india to landing a, a job as a data scientist and like leveling up within like seven eight months she's like moved up from data scientist one to data scientist two and she's getting accolades from like you know the the director of data science at her company so she's had a tremendous amount of success yeah so that's been really uh, good to see wow. wonderful yeah that's always uh, uplifting yeah and people become hopeful when when they hear these types of stories yeah 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 absolutely and manju here is saying that being a mentor completely resonates with me as well Mm -hmm. And we know Manju is a great mentor too. Yeah. So Anna Maria got back to us regarding the, the bias data and she was referring to the collection process in relation to bias data. So maybe when you're collecting this data, if you're, you know, not purchasing it, but you're, you're um, acquiring it through maybe a survey or other, other methods, how do you ensure you're not being biased, I guess, in, in your collection of the data? Yeah. So I can just fall back on some experience that, you know, in clinical trials that I had, and hopefully that this is helping you answer that question because I'm not sure that I've actually been involved in the data collection process. But in you know in clinical trials, when we're working with the the clinical scientist, right, the scientist in charge of the protocol, 
they typically have an endpoint that they want to achieve, right? And in order for them to validate that the drug is helping that endpoint, we need to define what data points you want to collect because we can't collect everything, right? Um, you know, we can't take their blood and check for everything in, in the patient's blood, right? There's certain markers that we need to check for. Um, so just making sure that what it is that you're collecting actually ties back to the the endpoint, right? That you're trying to to achieve. I mean, beyond that, I don't have too much experience with collection process of data. Like I said, as a data scientist, as a statistician, I'm primarily the end consumer of data. Um, that's slowly shifting to now in the data management, data governance process. But I mean, that's all I can really say to that point. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, Eric Sims is here and he was saying, was just thinking the same thing. But I think right. that's really related to what Scott was mentioning, which is that he's biased about your office. <laughs> <laughs> right, thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Good choice. Good choice there. Um, what are the next steps for the artist of data science? So, I mean, I, I just hope to continue to get really cool guests on the show. Like I love, like my favorite part about the the interviews that I do, like the the, the ha happy hours and the office hours are great. I think that's the main reason a lot of people tune in is because they get their data science advice. They, they get to hear from other, you know, influencers in the field. Um, but to me, man, like my pride and joy are those interviews because the the effort and work that, that goes into uh, crafting that interview, crafting that conversation, it's it's to me, it's it's interesting. It's like an art form. Uh, I just hope to continue to get more and more authors on the show that that I that I love and respect. Um, I've been fortunate enough to get you know a few authors that that I really look up to uh, on the show, like Robert Greene, James Altucher, Barbara Oakley, um, to name a few. Jordan Ellenberg, um, and just hope to continue to get more and more authors of, of books that I really enjoy. More and more people with different perspectives. I love being challenged on on the podcast. I love exploring new areas. Like um, I'll have a lot of philosophers on just because, like, I feel like talking about philosophy. I feel like you know diving into it. Like I use the interviews as a opportunity for me to stretch my learning, stretch my thinking. Um, and just delve into areas that I'm not familiar with and learn more about them from people who who know about it, right? Sometimes I'll talk to people because I'm going through a certain problem myself, mm -hmm. right? Like I'm going through burnout issues or I'm going through whatever. And I know that somebody wrote a book that's talking about that. Oh, let me talk to them about that because I'm going through this shit myself. Uh, so mm -hmm. let me see if you can you can help me clarify some some stuff. So, I mean, I just hope to continue to get more and more interesting people covering a wide variety of topics, um, you know, in whatever way I can tie it back to data science. But ultimately, man, like, you know, the, I hope it doesn't come off wrong when I say this, but the podcast is for me, man. Like, I, I do that entirely for me. Like, I love <laughs> the act of creating it. You know, it is, I'm speaking words into existence with people that did not exist. Like there was no, nobody else is going to have this conversation of words. Like we're having right now, this entertainment, this is right. completely unique. It's never going to be recreated. Right. right. Uh, unless you're listening to replay, but you know, you speak in something into existence that did not exist before. And to me, that's just really cool and fascinating. Sorry. I'm getting like really philosophical there, but. Oh, we like philosophy <laughs> very much. And as Eric was mentioning, you know, your interviews are definitely more thought-provoking than most. Oh, thank and, you. I appreciate uh, that. Our LinkedIn users here agrees. I have 
had so much growth from listening to his show. And I agree as well. Of course, you're a great podcaster and you're a great interviewer and you have this chill factor about you. And uh, it's just making the whole experience so much more enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And I I noticed that you seem to enjoy the the learning process quite a bit and doing your research before Mm -hmm. the show and coming up with amazing questions for your guests. Yeah, yeah, that's one of my favorite parts is the research. I get a lot of people that hit me up uh, asking to help on the podcast. Like, hey, can I help you with the guest research? Can I help you write the intro? I'm like, no, that's like what makes my podcast my podcast is those factors is is what differentiates it. If you want to help, you can help with like annotating my transcripts, cleaning my transcripts, <laughs> or whatever. Uh, but the the actual like research process for the interview, like that's something I will never. Uh, offload to anyone else because i mean I'll, I'll go through their books i'll go through their blog posts i'll spend like you know the week before the interview listening to their other podcast episodes like i immerse myself in that person's world and that person's life for you know days leading up to the interview you know it, it's probably i mean no joke it's, it's literally like 25 hours 12 to 25 hours spent preparing myself for each interview just really trying to understand uh, that person's contribution to whatever it is that they're doing and hmm. and pulling out questions that that you know i try to look for questions that haven't been asked because you know i'll listen to to all the different questions they've been asked on other podcasts and i'm like ah you know if people want to know this they can probably go somewhere else and listen to that let me think of a different question for you from a different part of your your work but yeah awesome yeah and it definitely pays out you have um, a lot of fans a lot of followers and people learn a lot from you which which is a great let's say byproduct after your enjoyment with this yeah that's definitely very humbling and i mean that's not even like the thing that i'm focused on right like that which is interesting right like i mean i I don't don't necessarily care about the the numbers the downloads the the reach i hope that that's just the byproduct right i hope that by me putting in the work and putting in the effort that that stuff will just happen Uh, it's just a matter of of people hearing about it learning about it you know coming coming in contact with it but i just enjoy the the process of of doing everything for the podcast which i I think you've also answered uh, ravit's questions you know what do you love about podcasting yeah and there's plenty of plenty of things about it and you've just released one episode today well which one was that oh yeah i released one with uh jamie woodhouse and he's kind of developed this philosophy called sentientism which is really interesting. It's about extending compassion to all sentient beings, um, not just human sentience. Uh, so it was really fascinating. Um, I got a chance to learn about a philosophy I never heard of, and he's really articulate, and I uh, really, really loved hearing him talk. Um, so yeah, definitely check that one out. So, I mean, there's like a huge time delay between my episodes. So like, like I haven't recorded a, a podcast interview since uh, May 27th, but I have enough interviews recorded to last me until february of 2022 Whoa. so i've got i've got quite a bit um and i try to sprinkle in an in data scientist here and there so next week's episode is with uh, the one and only kenji and, yes yeah Lovely. and then the week after that is with great. jordan ellenberg you should wear the same shirt because i think he's in hawaii isn't he yeah kenji. yeah uh, he's he'll, uh, he'll he's traveling right now i think he's uh probably yeah. think he's back home in chicago but when we interviewed he was in uh in hawaii yeah nice uh, nice uh where can people find your podcast 
everywhere, man. Everywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, uh, you can find them. Yep, the artist of data out science. This link here, the artist of data science fireside.fm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the the best place to go. Um, my website is kind of a. Uh, non-existent at the moment because uh, that's just not something I've prioritized. But hopefully one day I will have a proper website for the podcast itself. Uh, Scott Taylor was asking when his second interview is going to be released. Uh, yeah, much later in the year, uh, I interviewed Scott. It might have been like two months ago. But yeah, there's a huge, huge time delay between, you know, because I go on these crazy, crazy recording sprints, right? Like for the last six months, I've been doing um, three interviews a week three to four interviews a week and it's just it's just so time consuming like reading the books listening to the podcast and it was good to uh to get a break for for a while because there's so many great ideas that that i expose myself to that might just fills my head up and and it's good to give my mind some space to digest and connect dots between things um so like i haven't i mean haven't really been reading too much, even though like I'm looking at my desk as a pile of books, uh, but it's good to to take a break from from podcasting. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, our one of our uh, audience members here wants you to know that your intros are legendary, how much you learn about each guest prior to a question being asked. Yeah, so thanks. You're doing, you're doing a, a great job and your passion is definitely contagious. <laughs> All right on, uh, man. I'm glad. Yep. And we have another question here from Andrew. Um, I believe motivation gets you started, but habit keeps you going. What mm -hmm. keeps you going? Yeah, motivation definitely. Like you need to have that that internal drive to want to get somewhere, right? You have to have that within you. And and habits are are good. Habits are good. Um, I think what keeps me going is just 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 enjoying what I'm doing, enjoying the process, right? Um, I, I try on different routines and I try on different things and try to find what works for me. So I guess what keeps me going is just this continual journey of trying to figure out what works best for me. Right. Um, because I never want to get to a place where I'm like, ah, this is, this is it. Right. I never want to ever feel like this is all there is. Mm -hmm. So that's what kind of keeps me going is just what else can I learn about? What else can I try to figure out? What other dots can I try to connect? Like I have like books here sitting in, in my library. There's like hundreds of books all around me. I've probably read maybe 60% of them. The rest are there just to remind me that I don't know that much. Right? So, if I, so if I ever get to a point, it's like, oh, wait, no, there's still more left for you to, to figure out. Um, but yeah, I guess what, what keeps me going, man, is just, just that, that desire to just want to learn as much as I possibly can, connect as many dots as I can. That's beautiful. And yeah. we appreciate your learning because you're always giving back from what you've learned. So... Yeah, uh, you're you're giving back a lot to the data science community, and remind us on the the open office hours. You have one on Friday at uh, well, it's I think it's two p.m. for me. It's I think four p.m. for you, uh, Central Time, and uh, you have another one on Sunday. Sunday mornings at eleven eleven a.m. Yeah, Central so time. eleven a.m. Central Time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, yeah. Just I give I give what I can when I can with an open heart and a smile on my face. And it just so happens that those two times are the times that I'm most free to do that. Uh, so hopefully I know it's, you know, kind of inconvenient for people who are on the other side of the planet, but uh, that's why I did that thing at uh, Sundays at 11 a.m. because people in in Europe and, you know, APAC can, can join in and it's still like early evening time for them. Yeah. I think. 
and we know you also uh, provide the recording so anybody that has missed it can definitely benefit from listening watching the conversations as they unfold yeah yeah they're all available on um on the podcast as well and you know i recently got approved for linkedin live so they're all going to be on congratulations yeah thanks yeah i did the first one last week uh so all of them will be right here on linkedin live as well that, that's so good that's awesome yeah so as we're wrapping things up, I guess we, we want to give Harpreet a little break uh, between the shows too. Yeah, no worries, man. I'm, I'm happy to take as many questions as, as, as necessary. I, but I we wanted this. to mention to definitely check out the artist of data science.fireside.fm. Yeah. Uh, and you can listen to it through your, your favorite uh, podcast uh, platform. Yeah. And, and hey, if you like it, if you think it's a good, good podcast, then go ahead and drop a five-star review for me on, uh, on Apple. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Definitely. Definitely. Is there anything um, else you would like to share now that we're coming to a close? Any, I don't know, advice or any thoughts? Yeah, man, you've got one life on this planet. Why not try to do something big? Correct. Yep. Beautiful. Loving it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have you have a wonderful energy about you, Harpreet, and it's very easy to to learn from you, I find. And it's very pleasant to listen to you as well. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, it's crazy to me that people are are learning from me. I feel like I don't know anything. Like I don't know much about anything at all, honestly. Uh, but you know, if, if you guys are are feeling you're you're learning, I'm, I'm happy. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know what, Harpreet? At least from my my perspective, I feel that you know, being in your in your presence, it's kind of like being next to the ocean it you know you're enjoying your time and it sort of uh, brings your heartbeat uh, right down a little bit yeah. <laughs> right calming, on, calming presence yes. right on well, thank you thank you <laughs> beautiful so thank you very much for everything that you do um heartbreak and i think yeah. you are um, i mean to me just listening to you i i just think you know ask myself the question how can i, I contribute more so it's not only teaching people, but teaching people that giving to others is actually something very rewarding and a mm -hmm. high tide raises all boats. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. And I mean, somebody, somebody was asking about what drives me to create those curated PDFs about different parts of the data science process. And uh, it just helps me learn more, helps me clarify my thoughts. And, and if I learn more and clarify my thoughts during that process and might as well just share it with other people and, and also just right. to kind of see what it is that people actually like testing the waters to see what people like. I might create more of those curated PDFs. I don't know. Maybe we'll see time for reading. Please but they're do. fun, to, they're fun to create. They're a lot of fun to create. Actually, George comes to me very often and says, look <laughs> what our yeah, free does. I got I to gotta learn do that from too. that too. Yes. <laughs> Canva makes it easy, man. Canva makes it easy for anyone to, to design anything. Correct. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's All true. Right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in today and definitely follow Harpreet on LinkedIn as well as he has a lot of great content to follow and not just the PDFs, but all around. It's all motivational. It's all inspirational. It's all practical stuff. So please follow him on LinkedIn. And thank you very much, Harpreet, for, yeah. for being here with us. Thanks for having me and thanks for uh, tuning in and, and giving me your time, everybody. Appreciate it. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Happy Friday.